If you're an established woman in tech who is creating results and making an impact at work, so your workload and stress just keep growing, but promotions and salary bumps remain a distant dream, it's time for a change. Listen, we all know the tech industry has dramatically changed. It's time your career approach did too. You don't need cookie cutter programs or dusty advice from outdated playbooks because What works for tech bros won't work for you. You need individualized, bespoke support to build your brave career. One that reflects who you are as a woman in tech. I invite you to explore career coaching with me. Get all the details, including prices and client results at tricksteinbach.com. You can stress less work less, and earn more. You've already earned it. Let's make it happen. Bravery is a skill, not a personality trait, and it is the fastest, most powerful skill to creating the career and life you really want. I'm Nicole Trick-Steinbach, the international bravery coach and your host. I'm a former global senior director in the tech industry who's worked in over 25 countries. I'm now a certified and proven coach serving professional women like you all over the world. My promise is that you will stress less, work less, and then earn more. The Celebrate Brave podcast is for you. So make sure you subscribe for weekly brave inspiration, including proven frameworks for career and life success my answers to your listener questions, and powerful conversations with my clients and other brave leaders. You are already brave. You can define what brave means for you and your goals and build your brave. In fact, you're already in the right place. So let's dive in. It is the month of November 2023 on the Celebrate Brave podcast. This is also my birthday week. And for this week, I have our second guest on our theme, who is also a fellow coach and a friend. Her name is Louise Lewis. We talk about going beyond burnout by identifying the real problem, saying no with confidence and cultivating healthy boundaries in all parts of our lives, in our own ways, and for our own reason. This episode is so specific. It is personal and it is deeply, deeply generous, particularly if you are super stressed, perhaps even close to or in burnout. Grab a water, grab a tea, lean back, and listen to Louise's storytelling as she shares about her own multi-year process from realizing her burnout in 2018 to slowly, gently, and with intention healing beyond it since then. This story, while deeply unique, is also so helpful for anyone who needs to understand, why am I so stressed out? Am I in burnout? How can I avoid or how can I heal 
from or with burnout. Now, Louise is a former tax attorney in England, and now she helps others find their own way, which is also the name of her group program and her beautiful podcast. Both are linked in the show notes. Now, we cover a lot of resources, so there are quite a number of links in the show notes. There is one resource that I have to provide a bit of a caveat. There is a book called The Body Keeps Score. This book has helped so many people. However, it has also been communicated that it is re-traumatizing for others. So I want to give you some other possibilities. I have had an extraordinary experience working through my grandmother's hands racialized trauma in the mending of our bodies and hearts. This book by Rasma Mekahim is targeted for black and brown bodies and has specific exercises for people in white bodies like me. Another one that I have been told is remarkable is Becoming Safely Embodied, a guide to organizing your mind, body, and heart to feel secure in the world. That is by Deirdre Faye. Oh, yeah. And Taylor Swift does get brought up in this conversation. Here we go with the month of November. And I have Louise Lewis which is super exciting because we share a name. My name is Nicole Louise. Your name is Louise. I think that's actually what pulled me towards you originally online. But anyways, back to the point. Welcome. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's great to be here. And when you said about November, the month of no, until you said November, that's when it (laughs) dropped for me. I was like, oh, of course. (laughs) You know, it's it's funny because I've never chosen to do this month, even though it's really big in the tech space. It's like you're headed into core, you know, Q4. What can we come out? How can we drive revenue, sell, 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 close down all the operating stuff? What headcount can we not hire into? And I was always like, excuse me. First of all, it's my birthday. Hello. And second of all, it's my favorite American holiday. It's Thanksgiving. But now I see all these crazy layoffs and I see people struggling and doing, you know, two colleagues who were laid off doing their job Mm -hmm. and seeing the revenue spike and seeing the burnout rates spike. And then we see what's happening all over the world with burnout rates and all stuff. And I was like, this is my year. 2023 is going to be the year where I embrace my birthday and Thanksgiving And the power of no, which as soon as I made that decision, I reached out to you because I know that your story is super powerful and moving through the no to get to the powerful yeses. So can I hand it over to you? (laughs) You can hand it over to me. Where would you like me to start? So I know that you were a lawyer Mm -hmm. in England. You were living in London and then... I think you were really successful as a lawyer too, weren't you? Yeah. So I trained for like a mid-sized law firm. And then when I qualified, I went to, I'm guessing your listeners will know KPMG and PwC. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I was seven years at KPMG and then three years at PwC. 
And yet just kind of climbed through the ranks. So at PwC, I was on director track. I'd had the partner say, I've never worked with anyone like you before. When I retire, I want to make sure you're the partner that runs and leads the team. Wow. So there was that on paper all looking very successful. Yeah, because fun story. I applied to work at PwC seven times. They rejected me six times out of hand. Just rejected me. Just rejected me. The seventh time they came to me and I went through the whole process. And in the final round, I was like, I have always wanted to work with you. And this position is amazing for someone else. Thank you so much. But I, oh, you worked at PwC. You were a director. So everything was on paper. Partner, which is massively successful, especially as a woman, right? Very lucrative. What was happening, though, on the inside? So I honestly just thought I felt like everybody else. And I just lived with a normal amount of, I don't even think I thought it was anxiety. I think I just thought like my brain was very busy all the time because I was used to juggling massive amounts of caseloads and all these other pieces. And my brain was this constant to-do list. So there was, you know, it was always very busy. And I didn't sleep. Like my sleep was absolutely shocking. So I would wake up at 3 a.m., sometimes would fall back asleep, sometimes wouldn't fall back asleep. Wait, when did you go and, to when did you go into the bed if you were waking up at three and not going back oh, to sleep? Oh, early. Like I would try and go to bed at like half eight, nine o'clock to try and get to sleep. It okay. would take me at least an hour to fall asleep to wind down. At least an hour. Like, like everything just so wired. And then I would wake up yeah at like three o'clock and I would be emailing my team members at like half past four. Oh my goodness just trying to get things done and then on that little energy I used to get myself out of bed and go to the gym before work every single day as a way to try and give myself enough energy alongside a fuck ton of caffeine to to push me through the day. But I had no knowledge at this point. That was just kind of how I lived my life. It was important to exercise. Everybody drank lots of coffee. And it was okay until it wasn't. So it was okay all the time. I was like the golden girl and getting lots of praise. And I was in this environment where everyone's being squeezed. And we like everyone being squeezed. And we need to keep squeezing the team. And isn't it great that everyone's being squeezed? And I was there not really able to say I don't think it's that great, actually, because I was so stuck in this, you know, I'm getting praised. They like what I'm doing. I can't say no to, to the theme. I just need to keep going. And sort of 2018, things started to creak a little bit. So the bad sleep got really bad. I know it sounded bad before, but it got really bad. So like maybe three, four, five nights where I would be waking at three, four o'clock and I would wake up in the morning and there'd just be tears straight away. I'm oh. like, I just don't want to go in. I don't want to do this. It feels really rubbish. I started trying to put boundaries in place at work. And when I started trying to put boundaries in place at work, they did not go down well. Mm. Boundaries were not appreciated at all. Like what would be an example of a boundary that wasn't appreciated? Well, so I shared how basically I was waking up at half past four on my emails and I would be on my emails until I went to bed at nine o'clock at night. And then I was emailing all weekend and that like I needed to do something different or that my caseload was ridiculous because 
I was basically managing this team of people up day to day, running these massive, like multi, multi million pound cases. It was all just too much. And the partner was very reliant on me. So it was basically like, this is all too much. I need to be doing less on my phone. Like I need less case. So like, I'm just not managing. And it, to begin with, it was all like, yes, we're going to support you. How can mm-hmm. we take this? Mm-hmm. A week later, you know, it's like, you just need to take this stuff on. Why have you got Sorry. a problem? Why aren't you dealing with it? Yeah. I hear this so often, Louise. I hear this so often where yeah. people say, I had a great conversation with my manager. We're all in God. Yeah. <laughs> and then I say, that is fantastic. And congratulations, especially for the people who it's the first time they're yeah. using the crucial conversation framework. I have an episode about that. I'll put it in the show notes. And it goes so well. And then I always, always say, I'm so glad it went well. Let's watch what they do. Mm. Yeah. Because it's so easy to say, oh my gosh, you're sending emails from 4.30 in the morning until 9 p.m. You're right. That needs to change. That is so easy for me to say. But for me to find additional headcount, for me to cut work out, for me to make sure that your team has the budget, that is not as easy. Yeah. And we've got targets and they're financial and this doesn't help with those. Yes, indeed. Oof. Yeah. Okay. So there was that. And then and then it then it started getting a little bit more serious. So I would have these episodes of like I think you probably call them rashes as well. So like rashes on my face yes. and on my neck. And then I started getting tingling in my hands, in my feet, in my hips, in my legs. I had this is one of the this is when I look back now, like for how entrenched I was in it, I went to the doctors for blood tests. So they could rule out multiple sclerosis. I got a phone call from a partner while I was in the doctor's office. And I texted him back and said, I'm really sorry. I can't answer the phone right now. I'm just having blood tests. I'll call you back as soon as I get home. So I pushed myself to the point where I then scared myself of like, I'm actually yeah. really, really impacting my health now. And so, but at this point, I am so, so deeply embroiled in perfectionism and people pleasing and not wanting anyone to see me being what I thought was weak. Mm. Right? Interesting that we're on the bravery podcast. Yes, exactly. Right? And so... In the UK, sorry to the US listeners, we get a lot more annual leave than you do. Well, and yeah, and you defend it, right? Right. You defend it. You also have sick leave and a health care. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So I took four weeks off all in one go. Can I just ask a question real quick? When the tingling was happening and your sleep was being disrupted at at three Mm -hmm. or four in the morning, that's all signs of overload of cortisol and adrenaline pushes, right? Yeah. Did your doctor help with like was there any information like hey these are signs of impending physical burnout okay the doctor was helpful and wasn't helpful okay because over here you've got to remember like they get a 10 minute slot to see a patient same here they've got they've got 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and they're going to do what they can so the doctors wanted to sign me off 
Mm. So they sent me, they'd send me for the blood test, but their thing was basically, we, I don't think you should be working at the moment. I think you should be off work. Okay. 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 So that's oh. what the doctors wanted to do. So there wasn't any like, this is what we think is going on. It was basically, I think this is a stress thing. I think you need to not be working. Okay. And then, so for the audience and for the Australian audience, sign me off means you're on sick leave. For yeah, the so Americans, it would be Family Medical Leave Act. And for the Canadians, I'm not exactly sure. I hope you have the European standard. So yeah. they wanted to sign you off yeah, because of stress, but yeah. you were deep in perfectionism and people pleasing. Wow. Yes. And I feel I should add in at the point right now, because I know most of your listeners are women and the men will just deal with it. Yes. At this point, I hadn't had a period for 20 months. I had, so it just, just to add into the list of like health symptoms that I was ignoring, I'd come off the pill in December 2016 and had not had my cycle back. I'd been to see a gynecologist, I think it's the same terminology, a yes. lady organs yes. area doctor. Yes, it is. And it is. I'd had all the tests, all the probes, all what? the things. And they'd done all the hormone tests. And my hormones were, were, were lower than they, went, than they needed to be, estrogen and progesterone. But the um, gynecologist basically said, what are your stress levels like? And my response to that was to burst into tears. So obviously not good. So it gets to September 2018. And for reasons that I won't go into on the podcast, my husband also isn't working at this time. So he's got three months gardening leave. Okay. So he's off. So I wasn't like, I'm struggling right now. I need some time off. I was like, while my husband is off, I would also like to have some time off so I can spend some time with him and support him. Mm. I'd like to take all of my annual leave pretty much in one go and have four weeks off. Which, again, another one of those great situations of I'm going to support you. Yeah, not take care of myself. I'm going to support you. you. No, no, sorry, sorry. So from PwC's side, I'm going to support you to allow the four weeks off from the partner then the director called me and was like do you know how angry he is that you're trying to take this time off so I'm then also like in this complete psychological brainstorm of like messed upness of one person been like I really support you another person been like he's really angry you're trying to do this what a weak director that it doesn't that there was no reason to share that with you true or untrue oh, I know I know horrible leadership okay keep going yeah. <laughs> horrible but I'm on fire some months later, when I decided I wasn't going back, that was one of my reasons. It's like, I can never be well in this environment where it's like psychological warfare. So yeah. anyway, so I get the holiday signed off. And various things happen on this four weeks off. So first of all, I believe, deeply, deeply believe at the point of taking this holiday, that there are two problems in my life. One is the fact that my husband struggles with mental health issues. And the second is the fact that my work environment doesn't support me. Mm. I have four weeks off with my husband and mm-hmm. several things happen. First of all, I get my first period in 20 months. Second of all, I have this really nice, quite nice time with him. And I'm like, oh, oh, the problem's me. Now, I'm not <laughs> big into Taylor Swift. I'm not big into Taylor Swift, so I don't know her music. But I do know she has a song where it's like, Something like me, the problems me. Like, yeah. I was like, it was like this real realization of like, oh, oh, it's me. I actually, I'm not okay. 
And I fought not being okay for quite a while after this. I was like, I'm not okay. So we got, I got into about three weeks of the four week vacation. And I caught, so you work for a big organization and you have lots of, you have the healthcare support, you have the, like the private counseling line, you have all of these things available to you. So I called the Booper health line thing, Mm -hmm. you know, free counseling support. Yeah. And they take you through the questionnaire and they referred me to go and see a psychotherapist for six sessions. Yeah. Yeah, And then I also called the doctor and was like, "I, I actually... I think I'm ready to be off now. Yeah. But are you ready? Because I still in my head wasn't admitting that I wasn't okay. Because I go to the doctors in my mind. At this point, I've decided I want to do to become a coach. But purely a career coach. uh, That's the only thing in my mind at that point. The only thing that part of my job I enjoy is helping other people develop. My sister says, what about coaching? I'm so desperate to get out of law. that I'm like, that sounds good emailed this coaching organization to be like, can I come and work for you? And they were like, no, you need to go and get, <laughs> no, you need to go and get some qualifications. Oh my gosh. But I'd looked into it and I decided that I wanted to do a diploma in coaching. And the week, so the way that it was a year long course, but the way the first it was structured, there was a week face to face. Now this bit's really important because the week face to face was in the November and I was supposed to be in Prague delivering a tax case law update to the EMEA network. Oh. And I was like, if I'm still at work, I won't be able to do this coaching course because they're not going to give me time off when I'm supposed to be in Prague. Oh. So I go to the doctors and the doctor's like, how long do you think you need off? And I'm like, I think I need five weeks. Not because I wasn't well, but because in my mind, I was like, because then I can do the coaching. Oh my God. <laughs> so it's still external driven versus I'm not well. Yes. You're still. Right. Oh, still completely external driven. This is so common. The reason so I'm like, common. yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, because I see this all the time. So I go to the psychotherapist and I say to the psychotherapist, I would like to figure out from a place of strength whether or not I want to carry on being a lawyer. I don't think I do, but I'd like to figure it out. And she kept wanting to talk about my family. I'm like, why does she want to talk about my family? My family's fine. It's not going to help me answer the question of do I want to be a lawyer or not? But we talk about stuff, and she was the first person that was like, this is all pretty dysfunctional. This isn't actually how families are meant to be. And like, there were a couple of times that I went home and like apologized to my husband for the times that I'd had goes at him. Of like, the therapist says that maybe you were right in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of like tail between my legs over the last few years. But so I'm like on session three, session four, maybe. And I turn up to this therapy session and I'm super confident. And I'm like, I'm ready. I've decided I'm not going back. And she basically staged an intervention and she was like, you aren't well enough to make this decision. She's like, you aren't well enough. She said, until you are ready and feel well enough to go back and do that job, you aren't well enough to make the decision. And that was around the point that I started to accept that I wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. I remember coming home and being absolutely Mm -hmm. crushed. Because there was so much built up for me around being the strong one. You know, my husband 
referred to me as phenomenal. And I remember at the time thinking, I'm quite tired of being phenomenal, actually. But like there was all of this persona built into it. And then it was a real long, real long, long journey of recovery. And even now the naps are regular. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, my one of my first signs of I've got too much going on and not meaning outside, Mm -hmm. not my schedule is full or my life is full or whatever, but the inside, I've got too much going on on the inside Mm -hmm. is when I need significant naps or I need to change. I have an autoimmune disorder and I need to change the level of treatment or, 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 or it's so true. It's so true. And I, I really want to just take a beat for a lot of my listeners right now because sometimes it's important that you bravely step away from one moment to the next you're gone you type up a two sentence i'm out of here and you're out and other times and this is quite frankly more common especially outside of the united states where you have garden leave, you can get signed off, et cetera. The first part is figuring out how to slow down where you are right now. I've had a number of clients where, you know, they're working 70 hour weeks and a lot of them are beating themselves up because they're not working out enough and they're not eating enough and they're having too much alcohol or too much wine or, or coffee or whatever. And the work we need to do first in collaboration with a therapist, quite frankly, is exhale, slow down here, exhale, (laughs) and then make a decision. So I really, I just really honor that you brought that here and shared all of those physical symptoms and the pushback that you got and discovering that like Taylor Swift, it is indeed you. You are the problem. Because that's what most of us need to figure out, right? Myself included. Hardcore myself included. Yeah. Which is very confronting. And so to come back to the theme of the podcast, my body said no before I learned how to. Mm -hmm. I think that's very true for most of us. Yeah. And actually, I I have a lot of respect for the perfectionist in me because the perfectionist in me made a decision. And that decision was, I'm going to do everything that I need to do so I never feel this bad again. Mm-hmm. And that was very much driven by perfectionistic tendencies. But it set me on a road to, well, freedom, actually, I think. Oh, I wish people could see how your entire body just changed. <laughs> the smile, the glow. The shoulders. Wow. Wow. Was, your body just said yes, hardcore. <laughs> yeah. And I love how you just said the perfectionism, which we've all been told is this horrible thing to do. And it has a lot of it has a lot of negative aspects to it for sure. And it's also a stress response that yeah. kept you safe. Mm. Yeah, it did. Right. And like, I am a fighter, man. Honestly, I don't know if I've seen a battle that doesn't look like it's fun to join. I am a fighter. That is my stress response. 
have poor pitchfork, we'll travel. <laughs> right? I'm but like, have trainers, we'll run away. <laughs> <laughs> right? But that's my stress response. And it kept me so safe through years of abuse and years of gaslighting and years of manipulation, years of overwork. It's one of the biggest reasons that I built my career so successfully. I was willing to dive in and it's finding out that balance. So I love how you shared that, that it became, well, you allowed it, you made it into a possible strength for you to play with over time. Oh my gosh. How long, looking back, how long do you think it was for you until you came back into equilibrium or balance? So I'm going to not answer that question straight away because I'm just going to say that what I think is really important is when I look back, I think I was on the brink of burnout for years and years and years. So this wasn't like, oh, it was just 2018. No. This was like, I went to university. People in the States might not get this. I've got a Northern accent. I'm from the North of England. Okay. There is a big north-south divide. I went to university yes. in the south of England. This is a very common accent. People in the south of England sound very posh. I had this huge inferiority complex at university, mm. which drove someone who already overworked into massive overworking. I moved down to London. I've yeah. still got this northern accent. Yeah. I have a male supervisor in my first seat when I'm training to be a lawyer who was basically like you're too enthusiastic and everyone knows when it's you speaking in the office and like various like that's not a good thing (laughs) what the hell and and I just want to I just want to connect with you there because Mm. I came from Appalachia I came from southern Ohio Mm. but southern Ohio and Appalachia are two different things right and if I really let my accent go, it'd be a lot, it would be a lot messier. Yeah. Right. And so like you, the, my first period of time, but I have a speech impediment as well. So I learned how to speak by copying mm-hmm. other people. So if we hang out together for a week, I'm going to sound like you. It's a delightful part of my ass, you know, my personality anyways. And I hid that I had the ability to hide it mm-hmm. and still got made fun of and still got, like felt like I wasn't good enough. And I still remember standing in a meeting. Ooh, I'm tearing up with all these people who are at my level of seniority and higher. And they're all talking about Martha's Vineyard, which is this place in the United States or going to the Cote in France and how, when they were children, they went to that summer camp in Norway and just being silent and hoping that no one would notice. Because you know what I did in the summer? I worked. I worked. And just hiding that. So, oh my gosh, I really honor you bringing that to the table as well. Because it's true. That whole, like, this place was not designed for me. And every time I open my mouth, everybody can tell it's not me. But being enthusiastic, that guy, that guy. No, I actually get that now because I think what... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what would, what happened no no the feedback would have been useful if it had been framed a little bit differently I'm yes. there this brand new person I've never worked in an office before so imagine imagine how you would have felt Nicole 
at your level of seniority and you give someone junior a task and there's like 10 aspects to the task and after each one of the 10 aspects they come and tell you that they've done the next bit and they've done the next bit it would probably be a little bit annoying well yeah but then the the feedback is thank you so much one of the aspects of my leadership is I don't appreciate micromanagement and it seems like you may have had some experience with that so let me know when you have a question and just send me an email. If you need to let me know you finished part one, two or three, that's great. I don't need to know, but I want to know when you're halfway through or if you're not going to hit budget or time. Yeah. Like yes, you're enthusiastic. <laughs> shit. That's shit. Oh my God. But, then, but, then, but, but, but so even as we're sharing this and I think it's so interesting that I've just started doing a masterclass called find your voice. And I'm like, Oh, this is why I'm doing that masterclass. Yeah. When I was at school, so in contrast, at school in the town that I grew up in, my accent was posh for that town. So I also got picked on at school for being the posh one. So I went from being the posh one in an interesting <sighs> environment to being like the one. But So basically, just never fit in. Just never fit in. It's kind of like in being a woman. The There's literally no good time to be a professional woman because mm. in your 20s, you're too young. In your 30s, you're too risky because you might have babies. And in your 40s, guess what? You're too freaking old. Yeah. What? Yeah. On yeah. earth. But you started saying no. And then what happened? So I start saying, so my body says no. Then I learn to say no. So a big, big piece of this puzzle for me is I then realized with the help of the psychotherapist that I'm in this family dynamic that's very, we won't, we don't need to go into the whole of the family dynamic, but we'll just say very codependent, very enmeshed. Mm. So I'm driven by how do I keep my parents happy? How do I get their love? How do I get their approval? What do I think is good? Oh, I know I'll become a lawyer. How do I manage their emotions? How do I manage their responses? How do I keep everybody happy? I know I'll become perfect. I will people please. I'll keep everyone happy. So there's this realization that the driving voice in my head is not my voice. It's not my voice. It's predominantly my dad's voice, but it's a bit of both of them. So I've got these driving voices in my head, which not, you know, we'll just boil it down to you're bad, you're wrong, you're not good enough, and everything is your fault. And then there's just so much compensation happening to get away from this deep-seated fear of, well, other people are going to, if my mum and dad know this, other people are going to realise this. So, like, I, I better compensate to make myself perfect. So I make this promise to myself, oh, I'm going to look at everything I need to look at so I can be healthy and not have burnout again. And I am just confronted with this stuff that I was not expecting because I thought I was from this lovely, healthy, normal family and, you know, everything was just great. And if I could just leave my job, then everything would be fine. But you said it before, your stuff goes wherever you go. Like your ideal situation is you deal with your shit in the situation that you're in and then you might change situations. Well, I'd crashed and burned out of law then expected everything to be immediately magically better and was like, oh, well, now I'm not spending however many hours a day that was focused on this. I've now got this mental space to see what's really here. And what's really here 
is a lot. So I worked with coaches, therapists, trauma coach, didn't, I honestly was in complete denial that I had any trauma whatsoever until about 2021. <laughs> My first coach recommended The Body Keeps the Score, and then she recommended, which is by a guy called Bessel van der Kolk, and then she recommended a book called Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine. And at this point, I'm a coach, right? So I've got clients. And I'm like, why does she keep recommending these trauma books to me? I'm like, it must be because it's relevant for my clients. And it was only when I was in this mastermind and we had to share like the breakdown of how we would help people. And I read this lady's breakdown of how she would help people. Still in denial at this point, because I'm like, this would be really good for my husband. (laughs) (laughs) This would be really good for my husband. And then some stuff happened with my mum and dad. And I was like, I think maybe I should have a conversation with this lady. And then had this conversation and was like, oh, oh. So there's been lots of different things. So anyway, so as part of that, so I do lots of work with the nervous system. And so for me, that inability to say no is also an indication of a nervous system state where our body doesn't feel safe to say no. And so we go into a little bit of a shutdown. And so part of my learning to say no was to learn to to regulate and feel safe, literally have that felt sense of safety of I can say no and it's not a threat to my existence or my survival because it is now safe for me to stand up and say no whereas my physiology thinks if I stand up and say no I get annihilated because that was my experience Mm. and so that was a real journey and then also learning that maybe maybe I'm not bad (laughs) maybe I'm not wrong maybe who I am is worthy of being loved and so maybe within all of this it's okay for me to have opinions and views and needs and to say sometimes, actually, I, I don't want to do that or I haven't got the energy for that or that's not of interest to me. Thank you very much. But I couldn't do any of it. So what, when you, so I hear you about getting clear mm. and working with professionals and slowly, it's like it's like when, when this just happened with a client of mine, her husband bought the car she needed. It, she does not need the car. He wants that car mm. desperately. So he bought it for her. Yes. <laughs> so funny. Humans are so funny. Anyways. And you worked with these experts. And as you began to heal and calm down and recenter and equilibrium, and I'm hearing you, it took a long time. It took many years. Mm. what were those first few steps you took to say no externally in other words I'm gonna I'm gonna throw two extremes at you that I tend to see Mm. one is a client or friend or myself let's be real (laughs) goes for the big ones like nope big I'm going for the big one I'm, I'm moving a big rock And then the other biggest pattern I see is people going for those small moments. Like, thank you for inviting me to have coffee. I'm going to stay in bed. Or actually, I'm not going to wear these jeans anymore. They don't fit. Mm. Like, how was that for you? What sort of steps did you start with? So I think I went 
big rocks. So so we've got that. So I was, whichever terminology in whichever country you live in, the doctor gave me six months off work. Six six months? I was off for six months. I was off for six months. Wow. Wow. Your blood I, values and your heart. Wow. Okay. Good. Good. I applaud. I have been not applauding a lot of people, but I applaud that doctor and I applaud you. Yes. And let me tell you how cool the doctor was because I went back in the January and spoke to the partner of the team and said, I'm feeling much better, but between you and the director, and I don't know who's lying and what's going on, I just don't think I can be in this team and be healthy. So I would like, I'm not going to make any complaints that were grounds, but we, again, we don't need to go into, I'm not going to make any complaints because I want it to be a good lever because we don't, I don't say no, we don't challenge at this point. I would like to leave and I would like you to pay my notice period, a three months notice period. Okay. Yeah. I would like you to pay my notice period. I don't want to work it. And then we'll just call it quits and that will be that. Yeah. And the long and short of that was that that didn't happen. He sent a very unfortunate text message to me by accident instead of the director. So then that got escalated to quite senior within PwC, who then launched a whole investigation on like what the hell is going on in that team. But obviously in the team would have been terrified to say anything. So nothing came of it. I go back to the doctor and say, I've had a conversation with them. They're not willing to pay my notice period. I'm not sure where I go from here because I don't really feel like I can go back. And she prints off and writes on the spot a three-month notice period and went, go and give them this. If they're not going to support you after everything that they've put you through, they can, like, basically just here's this note. So I, she gave me a sick note to cover my entire notice period. And in the UK, in the company that I worked for, I was paid in full for the six months. Absolutely, you were. Absolutely, you should be. That story is by far, and I'm not going to go into it. I'm just going to say to the audience, I have an episode called The Accountability Triangle. And what we just heard from Louise is the accountability triangle in one of the more creative and effective ways I've ever heard. So well done. I'm going to put it in the show notes with all the other links we've covered so much. Wow. Mm. You did a big rock. Yeah. What a transformation. And I never went back. Never went back. And then other big rocks. So at this point, we're at April 2019. And I guess I kind of went into hiding a little bit. Like I was just at home and I was recovering and I was like fanning around a bit with bits of like coaching business and stuff, but not really. Just letting myself get well again like a big deal just starting to choose me and I found like yoga and I'm not really a meditator but I did bits of meditation (laughs) at that time and really just resting and because I remember the therapist said to me back in 2018 she said you've been signed off now from a doctor and you get to decide spend your time doing things that you find fun Mm. and I was angry Mm -hmm. I was like Lady, I don't have the beginning of a clue of what I find fun. Yeah. You've basically just asked me the most difficult question that anyone could have asked me. And then I had this whole existential crisis of like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I need. So there was this big exploration. And then the next big rock, which, to be honest, was the fundamental 
rock that needed to be moved came a year later in 2020 after we'd all been locked away for months and months <laughs> yes. and months. Yeah. I'd had a conversation with my coach in about the April where she'd first like gently dropped in. We'd been having this conversation. She was like, do you think your mum might be a narcissist? Oof. And I was like, what's a narcissist? I wasn't big into personal development before I left law. I didn't even know what boundaries were. I was like, what's a narcissist? So I read this wonderful book, Will I Ever Be Good Enough by Carol McBride, if anyone is interested. Okay. okay. And so I was dealing with all of that, but I hadn't seen them. So that was about the April time. And then in the September, they came to visit. And it was like I'd had this period of six, seven months that I hadn't seen them. And then all of a sudden they were there. And it was like I was seeing them with fresh eyes for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And like realizing the reality of the situation and the patterns and the behaviors and all of the rest of it. And the weekend ended badly. And I made a decision at that point, pretty much no contact, to say no to my family of origin against all of the societal expectations of how we're supposed to be and family is everything and all of the rest of it. And I stepped back and gave myself space to find out who I was. Yeah. So big Yeah, very, very big rocks. This is something that you and I have in common. And I knew this going into this conversation. I was like, am I going to talk about this? I'm not going to. I'm going to talk about it. So I've been no contact with uh, a number of people of biological connection since I was 13. Mm. And I've had conversations as I aged and other people aged where people would come in and they would apologize for not protecting me from Mm. all of the abuse. I still don't really have contact with those people. Many of them have passed since then. And 2020 was massive for me as well. Because I could see suddenly the pressure. So I lived abroad for most of my life as an adult, right? I became an adult in Germany. So I love to say, sound American, think German. And so I didn't have a lot of those expectations and you know obligations and things like that. And I, when I moved, I suddenly had all this free time because I didn't get pulled into the drama anymore because people had to push the plus four, nine, and then a string of numbers that didn't make sense to them to call me, which was great. (laughs) And time zones and things like that. And when I came back, some of that started to pick up, but not really because I'd been gone for over a decade. But the thing that 2020 gifted me was understanding the triangulation which I had never understood before. I knew what triangulation was because working in change management on the executive level globally, it was a technique to influence people. Mm. But I couldn't see it in my family of origin and how incredibly toxic it is. And then the manipulation. And there were just long periods of time. And then suddenly it all rushed back into my home. And I I had two or three conversations with boundaries and documenting them in English and doing all of the things my therapist and my coach were helping me do. And then we got onto a phone call and I heard the following words. I did nothing wrong. Mm. 
And I said, I believe you. And I disagree. And that was it. And that was it. And I'll tell you, I became a significantly better parent after that. Significantly better. Because I can believe that I'm not doing something wrong, but my impact on my children, when I open my eyes, and like you said, I see it. I see it for what it is. If I keep my eyes open and my heart open, even if I think I'm not doing anything wrong, if I, the impact is what matters. Damn, so good. I just want to hug you. I'll hug myself and I'll receive your hug. Oh, hug, 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 hug. Oh my goodness. You have given us just a wealth. I I have, I think, seven links to put in the bottom. (laughs) You've given us so much. No, I haven't even written down your links for your program where you take people through all of this and more. One thing I do ask all guests. Mm Mm-hmm is for a brave role model from your own life. I know. And do you know what? I read this in your email and I read it when you first sent it to me and I read it again today. And I, this makes me sad. This makes me sad. I'm like, who are my role models? Who are my role models? I might cry. I'm like, who are my role models? I'm like, who is a brave role model in my own life? And I'm like, it's hard. It's hard. So so I'm going to use a couple of my friends that I've met since I've moved to the village or maybe one friend who is a cancer survivor mm. and she takes really good care of herself. She's a little bit older than me and she really throws herself into life. She's got her own stuff and her own patterns, of course, but she's really she's really an inspiration in terms of how she just gets on with stuff doesn't get bogged down by things you know sometimes I tell her my story and she's like what (laughs) (laughs) she's like oh I've never had a big job like that and I'm like no but I could have worked on the test in on the checkout in a supermarket and would have had the same stuff because they were just my patterns that's right Um, yeah, so so that's oh, nice. But I have to say, the, the immediate thing when I saw the question was just sadness of like, why aren't there any better role models in my mind? <laughs> so the one of the reasons, and you and I, so one of the things I didn't say at the beginning, but you and I have had a lot of contact over mm-hmm. WhatsApp for quite a long time. And we've had some really fascinating, deep conversations, which I love. One of the reasons I ask, and this is the question where a lot of my guests send me email after email. And it comes down in my viewpoint, my perspective, but I'm open to another one is, but this person isn't perfect. Mm. Role models don't need to be perfect. Mm. You know, I think about, you know, Harriet Tubman, not in my own life, but someone that is a role model of mine, or I have a former manager who became a a sponsor and then became a friend who is not a fantastic husband, really struggles, but he's a brave role model for me because he's always trying again, mm-hmm. always trying again. Right. And so this is why I love this question on my podcast, but also why I think myself, you, many of my other guests struggle with it. 
as well. Yeah, and I also wonder if it's it's not necessarily that they aren't perfect, but is yes. it because I'm still making so many demands on myself? Yes. It's like, well, who who do I then put that isn't making? You know what I mean? It's like, well, is that if I these are my demands? Who is there to look up to? Because I the the bar is set so high for me. Yes, it's the pedestaling, and I wasn't going to bring it up, but <laughs> it's the pedestaling, right? We've been taught in so many ways. And we see it in the cancel culture, which I don't have a problem with, but that we put these people up on pedestals. And I I saw this from someone else and I started borrowing it. I don't remember who I saw it from, but please don't put me on your pedestal and I won't put you on a pedestal because falling off of those things really hurts everybody. You know, so my new program, I have got a private YouTube playlist of like start here and there's five different videos on there. And one of the videos is I am not your guru. And it's basically the same thing of like, don't think that I'm here to solve your problems. Don't think that I'm better than you. Don't think that I've got all the answers. Don't put me in a like, oh, Louise, I'll know yeah. all of this because you're right, because you just set you set everybody up for a fall. Yeah, everybody. It hurts for everybody. So let's transition into what is your program? Tell us a little bit about it and where we can find you, follow you, learn more. So I am actually in the process, Nicole. So by the time this comes out, my program will be live, but I am in the process of launching a brand new program called Your Way. Now, Your Way does what it says on the tin it is about helping people be all of who they are in every facet of their life but to do it their way Mm. so many of us are conditioned we take on like the parental conditioning of who our family say we should be and then we go to school and we get told how we should be and then society tells us how we should be and then the employer tells us how we should be and it's like how do we uncover in all of this who we are what we want how we want to live our lives how we want to show up, how do we be our our authentic selves and how do we get to that place of being able to say yes to us. So that is the program. It's going to be a 12-month membership, but, you know, it will cover, like, I actually want to go quite existential on some of it. So, like, who are we? Why are we here? So from that all the way through to, like, how do we look after ourselves in burnout? How do we take care of our health? How do we look at relationships? how our like family dynamics coming in so I have a background as well in training in like trauma Mm -hmm. and the nervous system that will come in but I'm very excited but essentially it's just the antithesis to come in and do my program and do it Mm. my way and follow this cookie cutter thing and here's my three-step formula to like magic this is a little bit more reality of like no life's hard life's always going to be hard when you finish this program life's still going to be hard yes (laughs) Yes. I'm not here to fix everything because you want a problem to be fixed, but there's lots of different tools and things that you can use to navigate life in a way that works for you. And there isn't a one-size-fits-all model. So I'm very excited about it because I think the personal development space needs this. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. This is, uh, I love this, Your Way. We're going to be linking it as well as your podcast, which is also called Your Way. It is called your way now. Yes, yes. Yes. And I, I totally agree. This is why I do one-on-one coaching bespoke and why when people say, well, what are the five steps? I say, well, here's my framework. Here's all the possibilities, but we're not going to know until you are in your pathway to build your bravery. And it's still going to be hard. 
sometimes. And it's, you're still going to stress too much sometimes. Yeah. And, and this is, this is life. So I'm very excited to hear about a program that isn't going to be boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah. you didn't do the 15 steps. What's well, your fault that you still feel stressed? Exactly. Yeah. You just need to change your thoughts or try hard. <laughs> no. uh, goodness gracious. Yeah. I mean, and I do still work with clients one-to-one because right, I think that is a really, really important part of it. I'm going to say this, what popped into my head. I mean, like people can come and chat to me, but yes. I think people that are listening to you, if they want a one-to-one coach, then go and speak to Nicole. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. So I knew you were going to be generous and I knew you were going to be specific. But wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm I'm really happy to know you and to be in community and friendship with you. And I'm very excited to share this with everyone. So make sure that you follow Louise. All the links are going to be in the show notes. And you're the problem. It's you. But you're also the solution. You're also the solution. That's you are the ne- also the solution. <laughs> That's on the next Taylor Swift album, I'm sure. All right. Talk, uh, talk to you soon, everybody. Bye. Thanks. Before you go, you can deepen and expand what you're experiencing here on the Celebrate Brave podcast by working directly with me through bespoke, results-oriented one-on-one coaching that is rooted in my proven Build Your Brave framework. As of the last client survey completed in Q1 2023, 75% of my clients from the past two years report they reached their unique goal. 100% of my clients, yes, 100% report they stress less as a result of working with me. 56% report working less and 43% report earning more. You learned how to spend less time ruminating and stressing yourself out by getting clearer and calmer within a mindset approach that is simple, effective, and specific to you. Then we work together to end the habit of overworking and overproducing by crafting a plan of momentum specific your goals and strengths. I support you as you execute your plan, including the skills and knowledge necessary to succeed in your own accountability. And finally, you step away from the all-too-common pattern of under-earning and make the shifts towards being well-paid in your industry, using the clarity and momentum to ensure you become the woman you want to be at work and in your life for real. Go to tricksteinbach.com to learn more and schedule your free no obligation consultation link in the show notes. You can stress and work less while you earn and live more by building the skill of bravery. Talk soon.